You're listening to In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics The Nom. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of In Country, a podcast that is taking a complete look at the 1980s Marvel comic series The Nom. I am your host, Tom Panneries. So after taking a break for a history lesson fill-in issue, we are back with our usual real-time adventure, kicking off August 1966 with The Nom number 8, which features the return of Michael Golden to the artwork and a story that involves Ed Marks and his comrades. But the story of this issue only takes up about half of the issue, because the second half of the issue is a reprint of, of one of the fifth to the first stories that had originally appeared in Epic Comics, Savage Tales. This won't be the last time we get two stories in a NOM issue. Later on in the series, there will be a second feature and a backup stories that involve some of the characters from past issues, especially with their lives after the war. And I'll be covering both stories, as well as giving some of the historical background and going over the letter column and talking about the ads. Our musical selection today, by the way, is I Saw Her Again by the Mamas and the Papas, which was number six on the Billboard Hot 100 on August 13, 1966, which is the day after the first story of this issue takes place. For some reason, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Mamas and the Papas. I mean, they're a good band and all, so that's definitely a good reason to like them. But it goes back to the fact that a few years ago when my parents were cleaning out their closets, I was going through their record collection, and a Mamas and the Papas record was one of the few albums that I found and, well, swiped. Uh, so, in other words, this is one of a few records from the 60s that I actually own. That, uh, Meet the Beatles, and an album by The Hassles, which was a band Billy Joel was in during the late 60s before he released uh, Cold Spring Harbor and then Piano Man. Anyway, let's get to the issue. This issue came out on April 7th, 1987. It was cover dated June 1987. That cover, which is by Michael Golden, shows a soldier in a tunnel wearing a backwards cap and holding a flashlight and a pistol. We're going into the tunnels with this one, which is entitled In the Underground, and is written by Doug Murray, penciled by Michael Golden, inked by John Beatty, lettered by and colored by Phil Felix, edited by Larry Hama, and your editor-in-chief was Jim Shooter. Somewhere near Chu Chi on August 12, 1966, Ed Marks and the 23rd take a break from their sweep of the jungle, which is about 20 clicks from where the 25th is. They're not exactly sure why they're there, but it's not up to them to question orders. Ed gets ready to hang out when Albergo suddenly raises his rifle and tells him not to move a muscle and then shoots the VC soldier who is sneaking up behind him. He also blows up the entrance to the tunnel that the VC came from, and Rob informs the lieutenant that they found what they're looking for. They examine the entrance to the tunnel, and the lieutenant orders the tunnel runners to get ready. One of the guys, Marty, goes into the tunnel with a backpack, and soon after we hear a scream and he emerges with a stab wound. There's a call for a medic and a frag, and Albergo and Marks drop grenades into the tunnel. Afterwards, Lieutenant talks to Rob, and then Rob tells the guys they need someone to go down in the tunnels with the tunnel runner. Albergo starts to make a joke about how he's short, and Mark cuts him off and volunteers. They get Marks prepped with a flashlight and a pistol. He goes in behind the tunnel runner, who has a flashlight and a knife, and points out to Marks all the various traps that the VC have laid. For instance, there is a piece of bamboo and a string, inside of which is a deadly bamboo snake. Marks shoots the snake and gets admonished for it because, well, it'll give them away. 
The tunnel gets a little taller to the point where the two of them are able to stand up and they come upon a group of very large rats. They shoot the rats and come across an enemy soldier. Marx acts quickly and shoots him, but almost gets shot himself. They don't touch the guy's body, it might be booby-trapped after all, and proceed through the tunnel which opens up again to a makeshift bedroom that has tables and beds. It looks to them like all the VC pulled out, except for the one who comes at them, and they got him down right away. Marx goes to touch her, but she has a live grenade strapped to her body, a last-ditched booby-trap that left behind in order to hopefully take out any American soldiers who happen to explore the tunnels. The tunnel rat, who we find out is named Verzil, moves through the tunnel a little more and accidentally falls into the VC's water well. Annoyed, he says, let's get out of here, and the two guys climb back into the tunnel's entrance. They pop up and are met by guns of their fellow troops, but Verzil pops his hat out and says, American, I am American, apple pie, the World Series, just say you can see, don't shoot. Later, Marx talks to Verzil, who says yes, he goes into tunnels for a living and says he's going to re-up and go airborne. Then they blow the tunnels and they go home. Um, while I'm not usually the fan of comic stories that only take up half an issue, this works very well because of its simplicity. Murray continues a tour of the Vietnam experience with another routine procedure, the clearing out of tunnels. The Viet Cong were known for using this huge network of tunnels as modes of transportation and for sneak attack as part of guerrilla warfare. So you have guys like Verzo whose job it is to go into the tunnels and clean them out. Having Marx volunteer for the mission seems to be more of a plot device than it does some development of his character. By having him go with Verzel through the tunnel, we get an explanation of what is going on because he's educating us. Again, Marx is the reader, and as much as he's a character and Murray does his best not to play, well, heavy, too he- that too heavy-headedly, but we get our kind of rundown of what goes on. Beatty's inks on Golden are better this time around, and it's probably because Golden did full pencils instead of just breakdowns. Again, last time Beatty was on Golden, it seemed too cartoony. Here it's not bad at all, and there's the right balance of grittiness and humor. I like how the enemy repeatedly sneaks up on them, and we get confrontations that barely last a beat. Furthermore, I love how we see how well prepared the enemy is. Even their corpses are booby-trapped, like the grenade that's strapped to the woman that they shoot. I like the coloring in this segment as well. The background in the tunnels is completely black, and Felix does well to light things with their flashlights. It must have been extremely dark in the tunnels, and since the VC were basically living down there, which is a nice touch, by the way, the Americans were at a serious disadvantage, and it seems that luck is all that really saves the two of them when they're down in the tunnels. And we end on a comedy beat. Virgil falling into the well and doing the whole I'm American shtick, which kind of tells you that things are going to be okay. And overall, it's a solid short story. Now, the second half of the book is entitled The Tunnel Rat, and it was part of the fifth to the first feature that Doug Murray wrote and Michael Golden drew for the now-defunct Savage Tales magazine and Epic Comics. The first page is silent, shows a huge transport plane landing on an airstrip and a very panicked guy being carted off on a gurney, and the entire story is told through narration boxes and flashback instead of through dialogue, kind of how we get Duong's story in the last issue. So what I'm going to do is read the story verbatim, because it's actually not very long, and that kind of... It it works better that way. You ever notice how sounds kind of stay with you? I mean, when I was a kid watching all those Duke Wayne films on TV, all the guns made these loud explosive noises when they went off. When I got here, I found that the loudest noise was the sound of metal against metal. As the bolt runs back and forth, another sound I won't forget was the buzz of the Vulcan. 
The Vulcan was this new weapon that we got stuck playing nursemaid for. Seems the army had come up with a new wrinkle on the old Gatling gun. This one was electric and fired god knows how many rounds a minute. All we could hear was a loud sort of buzz as the rounds came out and see a river of brass flowing from the vent of the modified APC the thing was mounted in. Intelligence had come up with locations on three villages that Charlie was using for supply and rest points. The Vulcan, with us as infantry cover, was supported to teach the villagers the hazards of messing around with Uncle Sugar. Naturally, as we were the good guys, we dropped leaflets to warn the people that we were coming. Just as naturally, when we arrived, the village was completely deserted. The Vulcan opened up anyway, and when the dust cleared, the village was gone. Just a pile of debris with dirt settling over it. We moved in to check out, and one of our alert flankers, good old fat stuff, found something important. He fell through an entrance hatch to what was definitely a series of tunnels. We'd seen VC tunnels before. A bunch had been around Da Nang, complete with underground hospitals, living quarters, map rooms, the whole Megillah. The fact that Duff hadn't been shot or knifed when he fell in made me fairly sure this one was deserted. And the fact that we had two more villagers to educate before nightfall made me very sure I couldn't stay to check it out. I called for a backup. Left two of my boys' fats as the discoverer in Fud Verzil to keep an eye on things. SPS Frank Verzil had worked as a tunnel rat around Da Nang before being assigned to my platoon. Tunnel rats were madmen who met, went down into holes, usually with just a handgun or a shotgun, and swept them clean of VC so intelligence could check them out in perfect safety, something that was very important to intelligence. Tunnel rats were daring, resourceful, and usually survived for about three weeks. Verzil had beaten the odds, acquired the nickname of Fud, because he loved hunting those wascally wabbits in the tunnels. I knew that, but I left him there anyway. I got the rest of the story secondhand from Fats. Seems as soon as we got out of sight, Fud had pulled off his rucksack and climbed down to the tunnel for a look around. Duff hadn't protested. He was busy pulling an eyelid inspection. And after all, Fud was experienced in the complex empty. Near as I could figure, Fud tramped around in the tunnels for about half hour without finding anything. Finally, he came up upon a closed door near the back end of the complex, when he heard noises behind. He figured he'd found a map room or a file center, probably with a VC officer. Still in it. So he cocked his handgun, kicked open the door, and took a look. He wasn't ready for what he saw. Seems that the VC had left in a hurry. This room had been their larder, so it had some food left in it, and the attendant rats. The rats had been without food for days, maybe weeks, and they'd been trapped... When Fudd opened up, he found himself acting as a red carpet for a couple of dozen big, hairy rats. I shudder when I think about it. Anyway, Fudd broke and head to topside as fast as he could, broke surface a couple of yards from Duff, scaring the crud out of him. After a couple of minutes of shaking and sobbing, Fudd started to pull himself together, began to tell Duff the story in bits and pieces. He was almost back to normal when the backup I'd called for arrived. The officer in charge was a greenie, a brand new second Louis out of OCS, and he wanted to know right now what was in those tunnels. Fudd started sweating as he tried to tell the LT what he found, but he couldn't have been too coherent, and the LT wasn't too patient. He wanted to go down and see for himself, and he wanted Fudd as a guide. Fudd really started shaking then and asked, heck, according to Duff, he begged the lieutenant not to make him go back down. But like I said, this guy was a greenie. He ordered Fudd to go, and he said he'd arrest him if he didn't. Fudd did the only thing he could think of. He pulled out his sidearm and shot the lieutenant on the spot. I saw Fudd twice more. At the court-martial, which was real short, Fudd was in raving madmen when they brought him in, and it didn't take Sigmund Freud to realize he was seriously crazy. When they took him to his plane, he was strapped in a hospital gurney and could barely move. But when the C-130 rolled up and the rear end opened, 
It looked like the biggest, blackest tunnel mouth you'd ever seen. He nearly broke free. It took four corpsmen to get him aboard, and he was screaming something awful. I still hear that screaming sometimes in my head. Like I said, the sounds kind of stay with you. This story alone is worth the price of admission. In fact, I think it's actually kind of more... It's better than the uh, the main story. It's a little more adult than we've been seeing. After all, epic comic stuff was a little more adult. Um, I believe it was black and white originally, so they've colored it, and it looked really, really nice. Now, there's no continuity between the Nam and Fifth of the First. They're two separate stories uh, and two separate books, even if the, some of the names are the same. So Virgil is the same name as the character that's in the first story. And in uh, the first story, Virgil comes up, he has a sense of humor, he says he's getting a little tired of the tunnel job, and he's going to get a different assignment when he re-ups. Here, Fudd, Virgil, his nickname, he goes absolutely crazy, and we sort of build up to that. We treat the mission the same routine way that the one in the first half was treated, but the rats, whew, Golden's art makes this out to be truly scary. It's a claustrophobic moment to begin with, because you're in the tunnels, but to add these huge rats... It makes you squirm. And it makes total sense that this would cause Fudd to snap. It's a moment that's illustrated very well. The look on his face when he comes out of the tunnel is just firing down at the tunnel with his pistol, trying to hit any and all of the rats he can to follow him back. It's... You... Duh. Finally, the lieutenant ordering him to return to the tunnels, and he's just begging not to go back, and then he shoots him? You can feel the emotion. You can feel the moment. Murray and Golden put you right in there. And, uh, and and I can see why these short stories, even though I've only read one of them, led to this series. They're really, really good. So I'm going to take a break. And when I get back, history, letters, and ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah play it. Come on. Yeah, play it loud. Play it loud. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast Illogic Foolish emotions A constant irritant And transpire out Freak Two Along the circus <laughs> Right next to the dog-faced boy I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! Go away, Peyton. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Yeah, goddamn lucky he didn't kill her. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. So you're looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, let's go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! 
truefreaks.com Okay, so August of 1966. Uh, August 16th, the House of Un-American Activities Committee, which, believe it or not, was still around and remained so until 75, uh, even though the HUAC is mostly associated with Senator McCarthy's communist witch hunt from the uh, early 50s. Well, right around this time in 66, HUAC decides to begin prosecuting Americans who aided the Viet Cong, attempting to make such activities illegal. And the meeting was interrupted by war protesters, and 50 war protesters were arrested. August 18th is the Battle of Long Long Tan. The battle was not fought by Americans, by D Company, an Australian force made up of about 108 soldiers. They reportedly took on the North Vietnamese and Viet Cong forces that numbered about 1,500 to 2,000 people. The result was that the Australians and their allies won a major victory and set back the efforts of the Viet Cong, at least in that particular part of the country. That unit of the Australian military would not be challenged again. That's about it for the war. Other events in this month uh, include August 1st, Charles Whitman climbs a tower at the University of Texas at Austin with a high-powered rifle, injuring 31 and killing 13. August 5th is the groundbreaking of the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan. August 10th of 1966, Lunar Orbiter 1, the first object to orbit the moon, is launched. And that's about it for history. Incoming this month... We have somebody who is scared that uh, editorial is going to start in uh, interfering, changes into a G.I. Joe clone, or actually put uh, superheroes in the comic. And Doug says, try not to worry too much. We'll try to keep the creative team together. And I think we can guarantee that the only way you'll see Iron Man or the Avengers in this comic book is in comic books being read by the grunts of the 23rd. Yo, Murray and Golden, I was just reading an old issue of Savage Tales. I did the 5th to the 1st. It came to me. Uh, could this be the same group from the NAM a year later? If it is, uh, I like where you guys are going. If it ain't, that's okay too. You're still doing fine. If you don't make fit to the first part of it, do you think you could write SP's Bremby and Hogan into it? I think they make the NAM more colorful. I guess that's it for now. Until Charlie's singing Stars and Stripes Forever, make mine the NAM. Uh, the boys of the first were not designed to be part of the NOM series. Boots uh, and straight legs, paratroopers, and infantry just don't mix. Uh, we will, however, see the occasional crossover, such as Tunnel Rat. Fifth may show up again someday. One never knows. Somebody's asking again about Fifth to the First. He says, just a couple of quickies. As I told the previous writer, we have no plans to incorporate Fifth to the First characters in the NOM, although we do have other plans for them. Keeping the NOM as a comics code book allows us to expand our readership. We feel that getting the book to as many people as possible is better than adding a little more realism in terms of language. After all, I think everybody gets the idea as things stand. Finally, we gave a lot of thought to positioning of the glossary, because this person was complaining about how the glossary is in the back of the book as opposed to footnotes. He says if we used footnotes, it would break up the story flow. This was what we didn't want to do. Putting in front would be awkward. As it stands in the rear, people can refer to it as they read or hold it until afterwards. If you figure out what the words mean through their usage, you're learning them the way the real troops did. I think it's our best alternative. Thanks for the support. That's about it. Those a couple other letters. Um, and uh, let's see. Let's see what the nom notes say. Okay, some more new words and ideas for you. ASAP, of course, we all know that as soon as possible. Bamboo snake, a small deadly viper indigenous to Southeast Asia. Frag, in this usage, short for fragmentation grenade, a grenade that explored, exploded, sending hud- hundreds of pieces of metal around it. Used as an anti-personnel weapon, especially deadly in tight surroundings like the tunnels. Clicks or kilometers, re-up is re-enlist. 
short, running out of time on an enlistment, getting ready to get out, either of the army or Vietnam, the triangle, or the iron triangle, a Viet Cong stronghold within a few miles of Saigon. Tunnel runners, or later tunnel rats, are troops picked and trained especially to fight the tunnels, and the 25th was the 25th Infantry, which is the parent group of the 23rd. Ads for this issue. This is going to be a short episode, but it was kind of a short issue. Still got the same M&M's ad. Let Oreo cookies put you in the Mickey Mouse Club. Save $2 when you join. You get a Mickey Mouse membership packet with free purchase of Oreos. There's a little girl eating her Oreos looking, sitting next to a very 80s looking Mickey. This was like the revival of the Mickey Mouse Club on the Disney Channel back in the late 80s uh, that would eventually have, I believe, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera and a couple other people on it. I never had cable, certainly didn't have the Disney Channel, and it would have been a little too young for me at the time, so I never really had any experience watching the new Mickey Mouse Club. I'm pretty sure my parents watched the old Mickey Mouse Club with Annette Funicello and what have you. Uh, moving on, we have Aurora, the closest thing to real racing, which is one of those, like, ch- Tomy track things. You put the car on the track, and you press the controller, and the thing runs. I think I had, like, a Tyco one back when I was, like, really little, and we set it up. They glowed in the dark. We set it up a few times, but I rarely ever played with it, which probably made my parents really happy that they bought me this toy, and I never played with it. Be a big orange big shot with Tang. Yeah, man. You can order Tang merchandise, including a shirt that says Tang in big letters. It's like this kid diagram, and he's got this big Tang shirt. He's got what looks like kind of like baggy pants that are tucked into short socks with high top sneakers, right? Get all this big orange stuff when you get collect jars, the labels and the jars of Tang. See order form below, and we have your number one phone. This unique push-button phone with cord is really something to talk about. Tunes from Tang. This hot AM-FM radio comes complete with headset batteries not included. T is for Tang. Slide into this oversized orange t-shirt. One size fits all. Suspenders from Tang. They're orange. They're adjustable. You can look like Cameron Fry. They're a lot cooler than a belt. Brighten your life. This pocket light changes from a flashlight into a desk light and back again. Ahead of your time, our big orange digital pocket watch even comes with its own chain. Ooh. Headband or or sweatbands. Get one or both no sweat. And sunglasses from Tang. These hot shades are the coolest ones around. Stuck on Tang. These big orange stickers come in their own handy dispenser. Shoot the hoops. The orange soft foam ball basketball and hoop set lets you be a big shot and super bonus from tang laser challenge the game of the future can be yours a big savings when you order one at least of the above items includes one got light gun and one vest batteries not included if you wanted to look like a total tool in the late 80s as a kid i am gonna scan this and put this in the show notes this is epic god it was 87 Uh, we have robotech the role-playing game again Rainbow Bubblegum, because you can get your kite. We have your HodgePodge ad with a Foam Ninja Star target game. I don't know anybody who had this. I'm sure that people had real Ninja Stars. That was always like a big thing. It was that one kid who had Ninja Stars. Like, what the hell are you going to do with Ninja Stars? Uh, a s- very small ad, almost looks like a uh, like a banner ad from a webpage. This is Peter Parker proposes, possibly... Find out an amazing Spider-Man 290. So they're building up toward uh, the wedding to Mary Jane, which, as far as I know, is still around, right? 
I haven't read Spider-Man in a long time. Uh, bullpen bulletins this month, talking about some editorial reshuffling and how certain editors are going to be taking over certain titles and what have you, uh, if you really, really care about that stuff. Um, and that DeFalco is the editor, uh, the executive editor, and Shooter still the editor-in-chief. Um, and they actually will have some news considering Mr. Shooter in a few issues. The other comics coming out, we ooh, we have uh, Amazing Spider-Man 290, the Headmasters limited series, Transformers Headmasters number one, the Punisher number one, the uh, unlimited series. I remember I had that. It was Klaus Janssen did the art. Mike Barron was the writer. I remember um, my friend Tom, who had been, we and I, we had been reading G.I. Joe together, told me, go pick it up, go pick it up, because it was like, it's the Punisher, so it was like ultra-violent from the get-go, and I remember he was like all psyched because the sound effect for the guns was not blam, 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 but it was like, so he was like, it really sounds like a machine gun. I think I got as far as like issue four before I had stopped collecting comics altogether for a few years and never really came back to the Punisher except for the occasional issue here and there. Um, it's just because it's the Punisher. We have a subscription out with the Silver Surfer. On the back cover is Dragonlance and House 2, the second story. It's getting weirder. Starting Iyer Gross, Jonathan Stark, Royal Dano, Bill Maher, and John Ratzenberger as Bill. All right. And that's it. A little bit of a short episode this time around, but thank you for coming back. Uh, next time around, I'll be looking at the nom number nine. So until then... Have a great night, and thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics' The Nom. The Nom and all of the comics associated with it are copyright Marvel Comics, and as this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Images, clips, and show notes can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, which you can find at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback can be sent to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com and may likely be read on the air as I occasionally do email-centric episodes or segments. Thank you for listening and come back in two weeks for the next chapter in the saga of The Nom.